Welcome to Living Water Radio. Like the first disciples of Jesus, we are all on Jesus' advanced team, the people who go out before Jesus to prepare for his appearance. How did that work out for them? How is it working out for us? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ, ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm serving part-time in Monterey Park, California. Maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, I don't like to brag about my expensive trips, but I just got back from the gas station. It seems like our lives today are being ruled by two liquids, gasoline and water. Gas prices are zooming everywhere. I've seen recently that gas is $11.21 in Hong Kong, $8.17 in the United Kingdom, and $10.70 in Norway. Our gas doesn't seem so expensive now, does it? But get this, gas is $6.51 in Ukraine. Yep, a gallon of gas costs about the same in California as it does in a war zone. And everything else costs more if it depends upon fuel-powered transportation, which is just about everything. Likewise, we are currently living in a drought, which means fire season is pretty much every season now. We are under water restrictions in most places. Claremont has no restrictions. But where we live, we can only use our sprinkler system once a week for eight minutes per station. It just depends on where your water is coming from. We can water our trees by hand, and we have a lot of trees at our house. When someone nearby cuts down a tree, we plant one. We believe that we are producing all the oxygen for our neighborhood. So, some of our yard is still green, but some is wilting, especially the grass, and even becoming crunchy. How do we preserve life when the things that produce life are growing out of our reach or becoming unavailable? This is the challenge for the Christian church in a secular culture. How do we make the good news of Jesus Christ meaningful in a way that leads people to turn to new life in Jesus Christ, receive the unending streams of living water that gush up to eternal life, the source of the inexhaustible transformational power of God within us? We get some ideas in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62. It starts like this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for his arrival, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. 
What does this tell you about sharing the good news of eternal life that begins now and is brought to absolute perfection in the life to come? First, it tells us that we, like Jesus' first disciples, are his messengers. Second, it tells us that we are Jesus' advance team. We are sent to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus so that Jesus may find welcome hearts in which to abide and open lives in order to receive life transformation. Third, it tells us that we will sometimes receive resistance. We may even experience prejudice from those who don't believe as we believe. How long has it been since you've read something or seen something on TV or in the movies or heard something on talk radio or in a podcast about Christians that was positive or at least was something that you would recognize as actual Christianity as you have known it? The Samaritans lived in a territory dividing the northern part of Israel from the southern part of Israel. They were the product of the Assyrian conquests of 722 B.C., in which the people of many of their conquered territories were all mixed together. The Samaritans, therefore, had some things in common with the Jews of their ancestry and many things that they did not, producing a completely different religion. Therefore, they were resented and condemned by the Jews, and people from the north would often go around the entire country to get to Jerusalem in the south to worship. Jesus instead makes a statement by traveling right through Samaria to bring the good news, which made a lot of people uncomfortable. Fourth, it tells us that not every Samaritan is the good Samaritan. Not every person is a good person. How should we respond to that daily reality? Hospitality in the time of Jesus was a cultural duty everywhere in Israel and in what we call the Middle East. It wasn't hoped for, it was expected. And it was a massive insult not to be received as a guest anywhere when traveled. It was a huge slap in the face. That's why James and John asked Jesus if he wanted them to command fire to come down from heaven and consume the Samaritans which is interesting because they thought that they could do it on their own and because they noticed that Jesus didn't do it himself and thought maybe hopefully that it might have just been an oversight on his part. Fifth, it tells us that Jesus is not about retribution. Jesus' response to resistance is to move on. Fire from heaven would come but it would be the life-giving holy fire of the Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. Living with family and friends and just the people you know or meet each day is a challenge in a secular environment. How do you even find the words that make sense to people who haven't heard about Jesus? One way is to ask, have you heard about Jesus? And then do a lot of listening before you speak. Have you ever wanted, though, to ask God if he wants us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? Probably not. The president of the World Parliament of Religions, which is a group of representatives from various world religions that meets every 10 years, once opened the convocation, I believe it was led by an American and held in Chicago that year, by saying that their job was not to try pretending that they all believed the same thing. Their job was to find a way to live with their rival truth claims without killing each other. That's a pretty good goal. At least it's a place to start. How do we do that? The rest of the reading from Luke 9, 
verses 51 to 62 gives us some clues, starting with the 57th verse. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The first clue is that members of an advanced team need to be able to tell people who is coming, the one that they are going to meet. Jesus doesn't come with anything but love and sacrifice, and that will lead him to the cross. His advanced team is likewise called to be ready to do the same in their preparation for his coming. The Reverend Dr. William Willeman has been a Methodist parish pastor, a university chaplain, a seminary professor, and the Methodist equivalent of a bishop. He tells a story, as I remember it, from when he was a chaplain and had members of several denominations in his campus youth ministry. One day, one of them got him into some trouble. A young woman who had been pre-med had announced to her parents in her senior year that she was not going on to med school. She was instead going to work in a clinic at a missionary statement in Africa. Her parents immediately made an appointment with Reverend Williman. They were upset, and they said, This is your fault. You put these ideas into her head, and now look what happened. Whoa, Reverend Williman said. Aren't you the ones who took her to church and had her baptized? Well, yes. And aren't you the ones who brought her to worship regularly and signed her up for Sunday school and encouraged her to be active in her church youth group and all their activities? Well, the air was starting to come out of them. Yes. And aren't you the ones who encouraged her faith and were so proud of the choices she made as a result? Well, and now they were completely deflated, and finally the father raised his head and almost whined, but all we wanted was for her to be a Presbyterian. Then the Reverend Williman said, You have failed, but I'm pleased to tell you that your daughter has become a Christian. The second clue is that members of an advanced team need to know the source of the real life that they represent. People who know that they are living in a world where the water of spiritual life is free but came to us at a price, and that the power of God dwelling within us comes to everyone who receives it and yet is not always received, need also to know what their job is. Let the spiritually dead bury their own spiritually dead. We are called to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus Christ, the source of life. We have been called, equipped, and sent to invite and prepare people around us to receive the gift of the living relationship with God for which we were created. Tourists like to stand on both sides of the line between two states or two cities or two countries and say that they are in two places at the same time. You can't sit on the fence between the kingdom of God and the forces that defy God. We are called to choose life and to prepare others to do the same in Jesus Christ. The third clue is that you can't give away what you don't have. 
We are called to orient our lives toward the future, toward what is coming, and toward the transformational message that life can be lived anew, that we can be forgiven and move into newness of life, born again as a new creation in Jesus Christ. We need not now look back. No second thoughts or reservations. No approval from those who represent our old lives. Our work as members of the advanced team of Jesus is to invite people to move on, to advance, for all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The world may be drying up, but we are walking wet every day in our baptism. Gas prices may be going through the roof, but we have been given an inexhaustible source of energy, the kind that matters for eternity in the Holy Spirit. We who were no people are now God's people, God's advance team, calling the world and every human heart to open themselves to receive the living God. Jesus is coming. Jesus will come to you today. Receive the streams of living water that is the Holy Spirit. Receive the power that God has given you to be a new creation. Open your heart today and receive everything you need to serve on Jesus' advance team. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.